Welcome to the Creative Land Podcast Network. Join us as we share our favorite RPGs, one-shot games, tabletop games, reviews of items, and convention panels, and other exciting things that we run into from time to time. Sit back and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Kelly, a.k.a. Trixie from Ragnarok and Roll, assigned to Ragnarok Story, and Tilda Wimblewick from D&D Journey of the 5th Edition. First off, I would just like to say thank you to everyone for listening to our varied adventures, as well as for rating us on iTunes and RPGpodcast.com. If you haven't rated us yet, we would greatly appreciate it if you could. And if you're looking for more ways to support our efforts, we are now on Patreon, a great site where you can help us continue making more podcasts, as well as some special surprises for our patrons. If you can, please look us up at www.patreon.com cppn. Every little bit helps. And again, thank you for listening. So welcome back to RPG at Day 2018. I won't say the fluff spiel because it's, you know, day uh, six. We probably hear the fluff spiel enough. We're going to get jump to, this is week two, so all the questions. Spiel. That's totally the German instrument, right? Yeah, yeah, the fluff spiel. The fluffing spiel. From the von Spielen spiels, you know. So the questions for week two are how, dot, dot, dot. So for August the 6th, how can players make the world seem real? This is a great question. I mean, this is like one of those ones that GMs can't tell players to do. This is just one that experienced players just do naturally. And I've got three experienced players in this room, Scott, Margie, Kelly, that uh, just from the Genesis game, because we came up with that one out of our ass from a setting-wise, that is, we took a rule system, threw a background to it, painted it, had you guys throw in some, some gap fills of, of what you wanted in the world, and we made a game world happen just, just out of our wazoos. Also an instrument. <laughs> <laughs> so who would like to go first with how can players make the world seem real? Well, what I always go with is player consistency. Mm-hmm. It, the player has to actually take it as... Well, there's two types of players. One is that one person usually plays like a version of themselves mm-hmm. in whatever universe it is, and so they're you know usually consistent. They have their own you know they have their own morals and they have their own goals and they have that other character. And then the other person is you know an actor type who takes a different role, takes a different affectation, and, and, and really tries to get into that character. But with both of those, I think the really important thing to do is to maintain an understanding of who you are in that game. Mm-hmm. You know, understand that it's not fun if things always go your way. You know, you need to have setbacks. You mm-hmm. need to have, you know, not just adversaries, but actual losses in some ways. The family you know, forward. The, the, the family forward type of thing. Um, you know, this, it's the same thing from a good book. The, a good author knows that there's more character development in what they didn't get mm-hmm. than, you know, than in getting, marching something off your list. And yeah. just maintaining your own belief in that world as a player is, is the really important part. That's a great one. Um, and kind of building on that, uh, mm-hmm. 
the, the thing I was going to suggest is uh, character backgrounds. Is you, before the game, you basically set down this character's history. Um, so you have something to draw from. Um, and then each consecutive thing just builds that history even more. But it gives you some type of, a, like a grounding. Mm -hmm. um, and I agree, you have to have... You have to have the good with the bad. The highest of um, Exactly, because if everything, yeah, even a good movie, it's mm -hmm. like if everything just had, there's no conflict, there's no drama, um, and it's drama that really uh, makes it seem real. I mean, there's nobody's life has no drama. I'm sorry. <laughs> and that's <laughs> where your character even finds if it's his internal character. drama. <laughs> You know, and, and understand the choices that your character is making, and make them serious. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, as a GM, I gotta. I love when I hear a player say, "I want to do this, but damn it, my character is gonna do this," <laughs> because you, they're respecting their character's landscape because they've got their past, their present, their future. And I know, um, as the player, this is absolutely horrible, and there's no reason why I should do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's it's like one of the the audiobooks I listened to a while back. It's Ari Salvatore doing a sh short story for Drizzt. Okay, you know, classic character from Forgotten Realms. He goes into a village. They've captured a goblin. This goblin's done nothing other than have pointy ears and green. So Drizzt gives that whole spiel of just because he's a goblin, he's not a bad guy. And then of course, you know, things happen and things happen, and then Drizzt responds accordingly. But he lets them make their own decision, and then he responds. So it's one of those of he's 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 been from a bad background. He knows that not everyone is what their 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 stereotype is. So you have to judge everyone on their their merit, not their their predisposition race. You know, so that way it shows that his character's arc of the he could be a bad goblin, but he hasn't done anything bad. So you give him the benefit of the doubt. Well, I think that's also an important word that you just stereotype. Yeah, because. You have to be close enough to some type of stereotype, someplace to be recognized. To be comfortable. To be I comfortable. prefer archetype. Yeah. Archetype, yeah. Works as well. archetype is great because the hero's journey. Be, right, but, but you also can't be so one note that you don't have additional depth on it. Exactly, because then you go to like the, the realm of, and now I hate the saying, but we're in a room full of literary people, the Mary Sue angle. Mm -hmm. I, I hate the phrase Mary Sue because you know it's not just for ladies, you right. know, but... The character that's the, just there for that one thing, you know. I think the male version is called Marty something. Yeah. Probably me. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely agree with that one. Is is the the know your know where your character came from, so you know where your character will go. Mm -hmm. Which that's always great because you're, you're you're playing the R O L E in your character because you're playing the character as opposed to playing yourself, which you can still play a character that is you in a fantasy realm. You just need to make sure to put that skin on of the fantasy world. Right. I actually, I actually used to do a lot of LARPing. I know you've seen RPG. Hey, LARPing is role-playing. That's a huge... It's live-action role-playing. In the spiel that you did not say, it specifically says tabletop. And actually, I was a little bit hurt on that because I consider LARPs RPGs as well. It is. They are. That's the RP in the L-A-R-P. So one of the things we do is... You know, we'd have a completely new setting once a month 
do throwaway characters so that way you know, wouldn't be as wedding. That's always fun. You know, and just go to it. And so one of the things that I learned doing that is that you need, like I said, you need to be a stereotype, and then you need to have one thing that breaks that rule as a beginning mm-hmm. character. You know, and then you start making your choices, and then you can build on that. You know, that, that that's a really quick way to make an interesting character is start with a stereotype. So what's the one thing that this character has that isn't part of that stereotype? Mm-hmm. And that's what makes the, the world real. And that's yeah. what makes the world real. Yeah, because it's it's the I am Bruce Wayne millionaire playboy mm-hmm. who, by the way, sneaks out at night in a funny bat costume and fights crime. You know, it's you can accept right. me for 80% of my life as millionaire Bruce Wayne womanizer blah, blah, blah. Who, by the way, puts on a cape at night and fights crime, you know. So that way you've got that whole, I'm recognizable easily at a glance so you can get interest. But then all of a sudden, once you start digging deeper, you realize I'm a real individual who's got more levels than just one dimension. Hi. What? Okay. Yeah, no, pretty much everything <laughs> that I was you got the say hard is spot. pretty much covered, but um, more nuanced, I think the how part of how your player characters can help your your fantasy world become real is for them to be really anchored on on who their character is and what their motivations are. Um, you know, specifics and background are great, but um, those can be filled in as things happen. But but really, to to know you know who your character is within the world setting and what their motivations are for going forward. Because quite honestly, you know, the world is populated with people who are, are more than happy to punch a clock, do their eight hours, go home, go to bed. But that's not who player characters are. Yeah. Player characters don't stay home when they shoot. They go out and do things. So, you know, n- knowing why your character wants to go out and do things, what motivates them, what makes them get up every morning and, and put on their boots and walk and, you know hit conflict head on or you know do the things that they do is really important in and making your character more real actually contributes a lot to making the world in general more real it helps solidify yeah. because if your part of the world's real the person mm-hmm. sitting next to you can latch onto that yeah. and add on to it especially for a lot of newer experienced world players who don't feel comfortable they can see Scott's character's got this great background, and by the way, can I be interested in your background so it connects me onto yours, so then I reinforce yours, and it reinforces mine. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's the, and communication. I mean, one Mm -hmm. thing is, as a GM, I'll throw it out there, there's two bits. One is communication, like session zeros are great because you guys can talk about this is what we want, this is what our goals are, this is what the game is. So you can set down the, okay, so we know that our airship captain, she's a sucker for a pretty face, but she loves to go to the opium dens. So if she misses the game session, we know where she was, which completely makes it solid and real why she's missing. I mean, we immediately, when you miss one game, we immediately picked in the gear of, we all know where the captain is, because this is where the captain goes. And then, you know, you, you have something you can grab onto and you can play off each other. Like any good improv group, it's playing off your, your team. Mm-hmm. But another one I'll throw out there as a GM is, and this is a big one for GMs, reward your players for putting in the extra effort. Now, I know not everybody can come up with, a, like some players we know, Kelly, who can come up with like a two-page story every other week. 
on a good week. And some people can just come up with a paragraph, but at least reward your players for coming up with stuff. Now, granted, if they came to the theme table and they have nothing, I can see they get skipped every now and then, but reward those who come up with the extra effort to push it in. Well, you don't want to reward them too much because penalizing Yeah, you don't want to create a gap. That have, like, that are not, they don't have the skill set or the, um, even the bandwidth. But, and frequently, frequently the people who are coming up with these two or five page, you know, backstories every week on what they were doing while they were off, also tend to be inflexible. Mm -hmm. And so you need to have a good mix of people who are coming in and able to react as a character. Mm -hmm. Because frequently they're more, they're actually more in their role. Mm-hmm. They're, they're writing the they're, character. They're writing the character as they're experiencing it, rather than oh, this is what he would do. It's this is what I would do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and you need to and you need to reward that as well. Yeah, and I I do I I can I have written stories about the characters, mm-hmm. but I always it's literally the the character takes on a life of their own. And that's what you need to embrace. I mean, I had characters start out one way, and they're completely different by the time. And it's it isn't crow. Exactly. Yeah. It's no. shit happens. You know, it's Life like, happens when you're making exactly. plans. Exactly. And so I always try to play it that way. I mean, I have my lovable little Tilda who doesn't change a whole heck of a lot, but that's just because she's... She's that happy-go-lucky kind of, even though bad things have happened, uh, you know, she still tries to stay in that, I mean, mm-hmm. that frame a, of mind. But from I a, have Trixie, who started out one way, and she's broken now. She is like a shell of her former self. And then I have... You know, Val, Val, who was like, you know, one end of the, like, and now she's like, she's, she's a been mama. forced to constrain. Like, you know, literally, she was a libertine god of you know, Freya, who now has a child. Oh, so well, she now, and she killed some other scions of gods, and they basically demanded a wear guild of her. And like, one of them was like where I couldn't kill anybody for a year. She was super killy. She was so, throwing her magic dagger at everything that moved. I mean, because I was just like, she didn't, she had no, I mean, she was part of a biker gang. She was like a libertine. She, you know, like, um. She killed the sign so, of a Japanese god of life. Yeah, so he. He was bad. In her defense, he, he was, was bad. bad. So he his was father, trying to kill me. His father oh. accepted that he was a bad But seed, I kind of like. But. She is Norse, so there's a weird guild yeah. required. Right. Yeah. What what is that's not harsh, but what is the right. punishment? And oh, by the it was way, harsh, as but a... it made this character like, well, I can't kill anything. So she started throwing her magic daggers to... people's feet all the time. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, and then we're Knee like caps. Yeah. Oh look, it's amazing what you can live through. And then when we started fighting zombies, I'm like, yes, <laughs> this doesn't count. I can kill these because they're already dead, you know. But it made her stop to think. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I can't do. I'm just, I can't just like go out and physically, you know. I have to temper all of her movements, and she had to become more of the healer. Mm-hmm. She finally actually dropped to... into her healing role, which she was ignoring for the most part. Exactly for the killy killy. And so that character, and then 
what she had other work guilds where she had to do services for these other gods. Mm-hmm. She butchered a priestess of Isis. She was a total bitch. She had it coming. She was a total <laughs> bitch and sold her soul to evil. I only... I but t- she was doing her job for her mom, which was the ritual. So when there was a priest, right. she went as the priestess of Isis and did her job. And she basically yeah. held on to the priestess garments, did the Not roles, her necklace. and passed it along to the next priestess that was to take the role. Yeah, so, um, because All great these were, goods, by the way. I spent time on these things. <laughs> yeah, so, this character, I, and when he mentions the stories, because for each of those wear guilds, right. I, there was, All part of the story was written just to kind of, Fill in the gap. Um, fill in it, it, the, it the consequences of your well, action. Because the next time we were supposed to meet, we knew it was going to be a long period mm, of time. There's time gaps. So... I mean, it was going to be, her baby was going to be born, uh, which was the other rogue because as a libertine, she, you have to have certain vices. Hers is basically alcohol and sex. You know, she She's didn't a, approve a of pure drugs. libertine. Exactly. Those were the things that she needed mm-hmm. to, you know, to regain, you know. So alcohol was off the table. Because not only was I not allowed to kill anything for a year, I now can't drink for over a year because she's pregnant. And um, uh, I had to do the service to ISIS. Mm-hmm. And there was one more. Oh, sober. I, oh, yeah, sober. <laughs> and because one of the other characters is, was that she was a dancer. Mm-hmm. And from her mother, Freya, because she, guilt, she can't dance. She kind of screwed her mom over because they had a magic item that mm-hmm. if you wear and spend a point of legend, you can steal your parent, your divine parent's powers. But I had she, no idea. She didn't realize that all she knew is I threw in the flavor text of she hears a woman's voice screaming in the distance that sounds really familiar. Mm-hmm. What it was was about 300 miles south no, in California. Was, she was in, no, she was in uh, Vegas with us. Well, she ended up in Vegas. Oh. But, but she, Freya was stripped of her divinity, ran instantly. And I all of a sudden became divine, 100% divine. She made divine. the biggest rave in so Vegas ever. So she kind of like, whoa. I mean, and it was like too much. And to top it off, she didn't know which one of the three men was the father of her child. Yeah. One was Loki and the other two were teammates. Yeah. So um, to prevent him from writing the story, <laughs> I took it out of his hands and uh, because this way I had control Player over right. how her, because she's going to need to know how, what happened when they meet again, because it's going to determine right. how she behaves. In, in that Because originally line, she was going to give up the child. Right. In that storyline, they actually made but, Loki into a decent guy. Huh? I did. I it, did. It, it was the decent version of Loki that you're in the old stories mm-hmm. where he wasn't told douche. Yeah. Um, and... Well, and technically, in my other stories, even though she's his daughter hates it now, and her other like, character's a daughter of Loki, who's really a stage is, magician. He's still the same guy I was writing. It's just from her perspective. Yeah, it's now from a daughter versus right. a. But this way, when I do, if I ever get to play that character again, she has. I mean, and literally through these other stories, she decided not to give him the child. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, shit, Ragnarok's coming. I'm not gonna let just let this kid. You know. Uh, you know, she would. She had a whole foster family uh-huh. set up the whole, the whole thing, but and then so she decided to keep the child, and you know, so it's like in how it progressed, and her world is very real, right? But she she's not rigid, 
you know. And besides, between your parentage of Freya and Loki, there's going to be enough dwarves and elves willing to cover and help because, hey, you're doing good for Freya's kid because Freya, you know, the dwarves love Freya. She's got a couple of cat dwarf kids. Uh, and we helped. Uh, oh, yeah, you, you remember saved the Hildy's entire... Cousin, yeah? It's Hildy's cousin that's my nanny. Yeah, you saved an, they saved an entire village of trolls because in Scion, it's the traditional Norwegian trolls. Right. If they're out during daylight, they die. So you know they they made they they made some serious inroads in friendship with the the dwarf Asgardian male relations, which is great. So, I love science, great. We're gonna it's, it's to, white wolf. It's, we'll have to post my stories. Yeah, for her. Mm-hmm. So uh, and but yeah, but that's another way for a GM to reward a player is not tangible like ex- dropping experience in a bucket. Mm-hmm. Is the like with Peter? Mm-hmm. You came well, with Peter's your with not. your your lady suitor. You've been rewarded with a little more spotlight time with her because that's you you've helped solidify the story world that there are other people that you deal with on a regular basis. And I'm sorry that maneuver with oh, the, dude, the triumphs. taxi Yeah, uh, the fly me to the window. Come on. That that was an awesome move. Well, I'm sorry, and also with the Inquisitor, or what was the, uh, not the Inquisitor. Not know, the Inquisitor. The whole showdown oh, with, you know. When you're the, on the outside oh, of the oh, airship. Oh, yeah. It makes for with the Justicon. But when I started off with Peter, really was steampunk hero, mm-hmm. which is the reason why I actually threw in the the magic that he doesn't know or didn't yeah. know about. Which I love game. that idea of it's just you a know, luck streak it, that the powers kick in. Well, it's not. It's, it's it's partly a luck streak, but it's partly a self boost that he doesn't know about. Mm-hmm. You know, but he just thinks everybody can do it. So it's also not one of those things where, you know, I'm so great and you're not. He just doesn't realize that other people don't do it. Yeah. You know. It's just so, your innate talent. You know, so it's, it's so one of the things that I love about the whole steampunk genre is the old-fashioned pulling off amazing, you know, cliffhanger heroes. Yeah, the pulp, pulpiness. The, the, pulp, the yeah. pulpiness, which, you know, going Magnum up to the top of the Zeppelin and, you yeah, know. Yeah, doing the swashbuckler stuff, you know. You know, doing the taxi stuff. And we're all sitting there biting our teeth <laughs> saying, please roll good, please roll good. And then all of a sudden, oh no. Oh, how, and, and even when bad things happen, how does it spin off in the story? I right. mean, and then sometimes the dice just love you. And that's a good thing. But you have your character's background up in your head, so mm-hmm. you know, and that helps, I think. And especially when, like, the Justicar that you actually have a history base. Oddly enough, he doesn't react to you like he recognizes you. It could be the years, it could be something else. He's just not right. Which, that, that that's a future yeah. story that might reveal itself. Mm-hmm. Oh, those are always fun. One, one of the things, last game was actually a major change in his character that I don't know how it's going to go forward is when we get back and I'm just going mm-hmm. to talk to both you and him is that after the doctor you know fixes the because you blew up the stuff <laughs> in the laboratory but, but after all that stuff kind of like happens I'm actually going to need to go to the magic piece and say this used to be the bullet yeah used to be you, in you her, pulled it out of her apparently I healed her and how did I do that? <laughs> yeah. How did I do that? Because I know that wasn't something other people should be able to do. Because you're now having that whole character arc of you realize the force is real, so to speak. Yeah. You know? 
teach me more. Well, and not even necessarily teach me more, but first is that what is this? Mm-hmm. Because you saved a life, and that's huge. Mm-hmm. And you know, you had a half naked woman, and you left what yeah. you're doing, and that's a pearl. Well, that happens all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, that's why in the 40s they taught us that whole shrink to black. <laughs> Focus on an inanimate object across the room while there's a shadow and shrink to black. Because that focus, way... Focus down to the shoes. Mm, something specific, <laughs> like the coat on the chair, because uh-huh. it's implying he's, he's coatless. He's coatless you know what that means. <laughs> I don't have to tell you. No. In case you have children in the audience, we don't have to say it, but you know. But you know what you oh, see. <laughs> His vest has been on my... <laughs> Shit just got real. <laughs> <laughs> That's why the sensor had his hand on the button. He's like, we can't show that. Okay, second camera two, focus on the clothes. But yeah, and and it's basically in you know, to summarize, it's the as a player reinforce the world mm-hmm. and as a GM reward your players for reinforcing the world. Right. And, and that's that's one of the that's it was because of the world and also some of the GM clues that happened, you know, because when when I went to start visitor, he said, okay, how do you want to go? Yeah. Do you want to go on a rickshaw? Do you want to go on one of the, you know, or on one of the floating? And he's like, well, I'm because, you know, and that's exactly why I asked, because your character, I'm like, well, is he doing this the Rico Suave way? You know, right. the Errol Flynn entrance? Or are you just taking, you know, just walking was, through the mud? Right, you know? but it was... But it was using those little bits of world detail yeah. where, wait a second, all of a sudden I'm in a ship that doesn't stay on the ground. The ground. Yeah. You now have that third I can, plane. I can use that, you know. And, dude, that was a sexy rock star move of I'm going to go right up to the balcony with the car. And then you realize something's not kosher in the scene here. <laughs> Woman, get in the car. And then, of course, the bad guys rolled really well and got that shot off. And that just... And part of that whole scene just happened due to dice rolls. You know, yeah. it was the whole it's, something was wrong. I didn't as a GM, I didn't know exactly what was wrong yet until the dice went. And then you were even picking up on the cues that I was just right. throwing out a cue, and you're like, "Wait a minute, this ain't right." You're you reinforced that this is not <laughs> this right is not to right. the point of it's tangible. You know, and uh-huh. I'm and I'm picking up on this is not right. Give me more clues. <laughs> what? What? This is the first time I played. Genesis, and I really like this system because it is very um, cooperative storytelling. You know, you're not you're not rolling to see you know whether you succeed hit or miss. Or you're not yeah. rolling at a target. Yeah. You know, you're rolling on a yeah of how things happen. So if you miss, there's there's a difference between not succeeding and failing. Yeah, and it, that's one of the things I really like about Genesis. Yeah, I mean. That's one thing I love with the narrative dice because you know the whole fail fail forward concept, which writers have used forever. Role players are finally kicking on them. It's okay mm-hmm. to get kicked in the chops if it's moving the story along. Hell, like right. Harry Dresden books, your oh, hero yeah. by a halfway point of the book is beaten senseless by at least two different parties. One which he has no clue why. Jim Butcher. No, no, no. I'm, oh. I'm trying to. Only two? Oh, at least <laughs> in the early books. Yeah. You know, when he only had so many nemesis. You know. Well, no, because I mean, well, there was the there was the vampires, there were the werewolves, there was the street gangs, there were the cops that occasionally just roughed them up. Mm-hmm. You know, 
Even his own support his circle own looked him down because right. you got the, his warden, right. who's constantly waiting to cut his head off at the moment's notice. Uh-huh. And like with narrative dice, it I would really be like you. I feel really bad that I'm gonna have to kill you because you know you killed your master of magic, and I know your master was a good guy. It's mm-hmm. only because your your mentor put you under his wing that you're still alive. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna have to do you eventually. And like narrative dice, every time yeah. a triumph would come up. Boom! Here comes the warden to watch you do what you're doing because you're not realizing crap. I got the I got the fuzzy mittens on. I can't right. do the big things because if I hurt somebody, he's gonna cut my head off. Mm-hmm. You know. And narrative dice are great about that. They give options. Right. And you know, and, and you know, and like I've told everybody that I've played with, mm-hmm. you know, it's like you'll play one session, you'll be really uncomfortable, but mm-hmm. finally you'll realize it's okay. You control your player and the good and the bad. So if right. you and like with our Sunday Star Wars group we do here at the TGG is a lot of times the group when something bad happens they will say, "Wouldn't it be great if blah?" And I'll look at the player. I'm like, "You cool with that? You know, as long as you're right. cool with that, I don't want to like you know right. railroad you into a bad situation. Uh-huh. But if you're cool with that, I think that's a badass idea." Right. Well, and, and again, with the, with the system, you're able to fail with disadvantage, mm-hmm. or you know, fail with advantage, or, right? Or, yeah. or you know, or worse, you get or, trying to fail, fail with fail with advantage, advantage mm-hmm. or you know, succeed with disadvantage because they have more of a spectrum. So, like when you did your perception, you right. failed, but you had three advantage, so I could give you an important piece of information in the scene. Mm-hmm. You realize someone's kicking in her door inside the house. That's kind of important, but you may have missed it when you were looking for things outside the house. You were too concerned with her that it distracted you from the yard. You looked at her and realized, why has she got a chair braced against her door? Ladies don't do that in their own boudoir. You know, and... and I'm, I'm a huge fan of the dice. Now that they've mm-hmm. got a fantasy setting, um, I'm going to be interested in playing some of that to see how that works, because a more D&D feel adventure game with the same narrative dice. That and I love in Terranoth. That's mm-hmm. the setting, that's the generic setting they're using, which I wouldn't use it because it's, it's too World of Warcraft tabletop gaming, because you have Faction of Undead, Faction of Dragons, Faction of Evil Magic Users. It's the tropes, which tropes are good, right. but don't become stereotypes. Right. And you know that that when you're a magic user, you can cast any spell you want in the spell book mm-hmm. as long as you're willing to risk it. Like with you guys, when you use your magic, sometimes it just doesn't work out like you intended. You know, thankfully we haven't had any really bad magic rolls, but there's some really bad things that can happen. Like if you ever saw the old show The Sentinel, the gentleman that had the five heightened senses because he's oh. like a spirit warrior. Right. Where all of a sudden one day he's sick and takes basically like a Sudafed, and all of a sudden he gets like insane focused microscopic vision. Well, you try being a cop with microscopic vision, or all of a sudden you're hearing a bird chirping a block away and you're trying to hear the conversation happening, right? It's the massive feedback. And magic can do bad things. I mean, we've been really lucky with the magic. But, you know, in, in, in that system, you could do like Harry Dresden with the. I'm shooting a fireball. Well, you lost control. Because like in the fate system for Dresden, do you choose to take the backlash or do you let the building burn? You know, it's one of those of, it's up to you how badly this gets. Because, you know, I'm cool with you surviving the fire, but the building burns. So that... And that's one of the Harry Dresdens, if I recall. Yeah, he rescues puppies. Yeah, when he was going after the uh, the, he, the, the flaming poop. Flaming shit. 
Yeah, and all the monkeys come together with him and uh, his brother and the, the blue beetle. That's not so blue. So to make your world feel more real, you need dogs. Yes. Like Slobber the Mutt. Yeah, Tilda's war, ro- war dog what mount. Slobber the Mutt. Big difference between RPGs and movies and TVs is that RPGs have more animals in them. I agree. You, can't do, you cannot do animals in movies because they're too hard to maintain throughout the entire movie. Yeah. And with very few exceptions, you can't do anything with books because the booksellers do not allow any harm to come to them at all. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I mean, it's kind of justifiable. So you don't want yeah, to, you can you turn off a lot of your audience that way. You don't animals, you know, in, in your books and stuff like that. But when you're doing RPGs and it's just you and your friends, and, you know, it's, it's one of the things that, that's just absolutely amazing. For, for example, if the zombie apocalypse happens, the best thing to have is a dog. Yeah. Because according to all of the zombie worlds that I know of anyway, the disease doesn't cause species. Yeah, except for in one movie, yeah. the, the uh, Will Smith I'm Legend, oh. which has the most heart-rending scene oh, ever. Stop right okay. there. I We're all going to stop there because so we all just missed it up just yeah. talking about that scene. Oh. Yeah, that scene gets everybody in the fields. But yeah, other than that, like World War Z, right. the book, not the bad movie, mm-hmm. The book actually talks about how they train canine units uh-huh. where they'd have a small terrier who's got a vest with a right. camera and a speaker so his carrier could talk to him. Right. That could run through tunnels, do right. the terrier thing, uh-huh. with large breeds that would push the zombies over to crack their heads open. Right. And that way the, the, the trainer mm-hmm. can basically radio his pups to do things. Right. And, and well, I thought that I mean, was great. Even, even if they're not that well military trained, uh-huh. any... Any pet that's going to be surviving that long would be able to smell a zombie way before you see it. Oh, or yeah. hear it. Or hear it. Yeah. You know, would be able to get between you and it. Endanger what they do naturally, right. yeah. Because, I mean, you know, back back before agriculture, that's what they did. Yeah. That was basically their job. Yeah. Many tribes yeah. kept dogs around because that's your first sign of line of defense. Exactly. They're the ones that are going to bark at the stranger. Domesticated them yeah. kind of how existed. You know, so it's it's just one of the things that that And in RPGs that's that like I love the fact that when D D came back out with the Beastmaster Ranger, because mm-hmm. you have your classic World of Warcraft hunter I had with my a pet. wolf. Now, granted, I know how a lot of players felt they got cheaped because when uh-huh. it came out to not make the Beastmaster Uber, right. your act is to tell the dog to attack. Right. So your dog will move with you, but it attacks or you attack. You don't both break that. But like in 4th edition D&D, they had this great thing where you and the, the attack beast are attacking simultaneously. The beast isn't hurting it, but it's distracting it. So you're getting the advantage because you're being right. carried from both sides. Right. Which I'm a huge fan of that. Even though, even though you only get one attack, you get the, um, you get the, the flanking the, the, Exactly, the flanking, which which now is called combat advantage. But okay. yeah, exactly. You get the, the flanking boost that, you know, Dude, I got a dog behind me and a guy in front of me with swords. You know, my attention is diverted, you know. <laughs> but, you know, like Kelly with her, her halfling rogue wanted a dog, slobbered the mud. I wanted a mount, you know, mm-hmm. so she finally got enough gold after recouping her losses 
When she um, gave away the golden sleeve of party to a dragon. Yeah, that hurts so much for her. Which, by the way, that made that scene so real when a rogue mm-hmm. goes, Keep my gold and spare my friends. <laughs> when the greedy rogue has been stealing from her friends relentlessly. I was not stealing from my friends. I have you know, it's just that whenever I would divvy it up <laughs> evenly and there was one extra left over, the banker gets it. Who is the banker? Me. Remember that movie where the guy's meant to program to shave a tenth of a cent? <laughs> <laughs> totally not stealing for the government. Why let the rogue be the banker? But we're doing some sort of steampunk western while we were singing Aaron was game mastering. There was some bounty hunters, actually oddly enough, after my character, and uh, basically during a chase. One of our snipers pretty much blew the leader's leg off. The rest of the party pretty much died. The the leader of the adversaries got his leg blown off with a nuke, and um, we brought him back to the airship, and and he was recuperating. And we know he stole his ship <laughs> after killing his. As one dies. Obviously, it's your ship. Right. And then um, basically, we looted the ship, and in his safe. There were there was basically all of his money because you know nobody trusts banks, right? Not so no. All of his money in this safe on his airship that we commandeered as penalty for shooting. <laughs> <laughs> so he's recuperating and we've got the story and I basically said Tell you what, you go back to England and you tell my cousin to bug off. You tell everyone else to wave off. And I will give you my share of your money. <laughs> That's a completely sensible thing because your character, from a sensible point of view, realized the hassle was worth more than the cash. Well, and you know, if things went out, if things went right, I wouldn't have to worry about money. Mm-hmm. If things went mm-hmm. wrong, it wouldn't and matter it's... because that amount of money was not going to be helpful. It's, it's not going to help a dead man on Boot Hill. Right, and it's also a character thing. It's yeah. One of the things... And that makes your character feel real. Right. One, one of the things that I had decided on with Peter is that he doesn't really care about money because he always thinks he can get more if he needs it, which he I, can. I yeah. totally played a character like that. Not mm-hmm. that she didn't care about money, and she didn't, and it's not that she didn't know how money worked, but she she was raised in like a temple, a shrine mm-hmm. in, in Japan. There was always money. I mean, it wasn't extravagant. Right. But she was taken care but of. But she didn't, yeah, yeah. She didn't think anything of, it's like, oh, well, here is all the money I have. Yeah. Because I don't need it. Right. Because my, oh, worldly, my worldly cares are taken care of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, and that's, that didn't work so well. That's actually the reason why I threatened to put the bounty on him. Because I don't, you know, I, if that much money, I can, it's, you know, you're gonna kill somebody over money? He's a good guy. Do you, you want to be You got a choice. I know. Here, you should have money, really or you can use the exact amount of money. As a GM, it was great watching the team conflict because you're like, why are we killing the cow? We can get milk from the cow. And they're just like, I want the, I want the 3,000 scripts. Because they're they're young and impetuous and you know types. Yeah, no, I don't understand why you guys want to kill the, the stone man. I know I, I, I liked didn't. the stone man. It was I, I made him to be that, that lovable rowdy rowdy piper uh-huh. type that he's he's rough and uncouth, but he's really lovable. I don't understand why they want to kill him. 
It would, it, because, because the bird in the hand versus two in the bush and five so in the no, actually, actually, to give them the benefit of the doubt, they don't have money. Yeah. Okay, but the thing and is... They, and they saw what they thought was an incredible amount of money okay, so for doing something. more money than mm-hmm. that. Oh, it's more. Night. Yeah. Right. So why do they need to kill him now? Because, you know, but it is a good point. They, they, the mad scientist scrapes right. and scrapes for his tonics and mm-hmm. chemicals. And the ether, the Aethermancer barely has gotten by his whole life. Right. So you see that big nest egg, and you're like, oh, this is the big score, when it's really oh. not that big of a score. Right. I mean, and if, if I were playing a different type of character, it would be, well, someone's going to kill him and get the bounty. It might as well be us. But. And I can tell you guys, now that we've passed that scene, yeah. the 3,000 was to stop him from getting to the arena. And once yeah. you got him there, there was no payout. I kind of tried to hint at that, but once the group was so dead set on knocking them off, I'm like, find out the hard way. You'll feel bad in the morning. Well, and not only that, but we'd also piss off some major mafia in town. Yeah. I mean, I didn't I know that at a, the time. Uh-huh. That's a really but bad idea. That's a really, you know, I, I mean, you know. All of a sudden, you find all a, the causes. I'm enough of a con man to know. You just don't do that. Because yeah, well, do you I want to piss off the mafia when you're a mad scientist getting chemical supplies well, no, <laughs> that you don't watch the whole time getting on your I, ship? I don't I don't think he's so much the mafia person as he's the union boss. Yeah, okay. Yeah. He's, he's definitely more of the business right. angle as opposed to the you organized crime angle. Organized crime was business. Huh? Yeah. It's, it's a different kind of business. Yeah. Yeah. I hope I've talked him into out of blazing that entire ghetto. Sort of like think the butcher at the end of Gangs of New York, not mm-hmm. the butcher in his mm-hmm. early years when right. he was the street hood, when he realizes the true power is in the whole, you know, mm-hmm. Conan angle of flesh is more powerful than steel. I can have all the people do my dirty deeds for me now. But yeah, that's uh, we we've gone off the rest. Yeah. We just yeah. a little <laughs> So uh, that's probably a good place to wrap it up there. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Creative Play and Podcast Network. And feel free to enjoy our other shows, such as D&D Journey of the Fifth Edition and Scion Ragnarok and Roll, a Scion hero to Ragnarok story. Thank you for listening. One of my fosters mm. went to the same school that AJ did, only several years older. Did he have the kind of like scruff? Sometimes. Oh, okay. Only when he didn't shave. <laughs> but anyway, um, he's in the army. He's stationed in El Paso. He hasn't found a gaming group since he's left Tucson. And since he's in El Paso, which is almost five hours away, he is interested in coming into town once a month. It would be on a Saturday to game. I'm not interested in ever playing in a Baron's game again for a long, long time. Do you have the time in your schedule to run another once a month Saturday? I probably can. What 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 system do we want to play? He don't know. He hasn't gamed in ten years. So whatever. Okay. I mean, he's he was also more. A much more story-based gamer than a systems-based gamer. Mm-hmm. The thing that I played most often in life was Aaron's White Wolf Vampire game. 
Uh, he was the one that, that was playing, it was towards the end of the game, but I was, where I was basically playing, playing three sides against each other. My spike does. <laughs> Werewolf does. And, well, this was not part of it. Yeah, I was, I was, I was my own little, anyway. Um, no one really knew, in theory, no one really knew what my motives were. I thought my motives were very clear, but, you know, I can't help it if they're dumb. You were a secret fifth column? Yeah, kind of, and, um, but there was this one time where basically towards the end game, people pretty much knew that I was working at, with many different vectors going on. But one of the things that our prince had done is sent me into Mexico to spy on the Sabbat. Um, and so they knew that I was working with some people in the Sabbat, but they, weren't act they didn't actually know how closely I was working with them and which side I was really on. And, I didn't want to tell them I was. I wasn't really, I wasn't really um, uh, with any of the sides. I was on my own side. Um, so, but basically, with Sabat, you know, they did the flesh crafting and, and to the point where they could make people look this, like other people. It was not just it was just yeah. the schlockers and the. So, um, basically, they said, "Oh well, you know, it's like, oh, we'll just call Jade and see what." You know, see if she has the skinny on it. And <laughs> metagame, everyone had a certain set of data. And they called me ring, 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 and said, hello. And someone flat out asked, does Ashley have any agents in town or any doppelgangers in town? And I went. You said that over an open phone. <laughs> right. Well, that's fine because my answer was, I don't think so. Not that I know of, but. It certainly wouldn't hurt to be cautious, and you know, blah 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 blah. And then I hung up, and Shay just looks at me, and she goes, "God damn it, she still hasn't lied." <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was one of the things that I did for my character is I never lied. You, you pulled the fairy bit, where it's always a the useful part of the truth. Yeah, the most deadly part. The useful part of the truth. <laughs> um. So. But yeah, he's 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 very story oriented, rather than throw the dice and dungeon roll. Yeah, tabletop war gamer. Yeah. Yeah, I mean we can because uh, uh, AJ and them were wanting uh, basically third Sunday is going to be the Star Wars one. Okay. Because they did a one shot and fell in love with it. Yeah. Even though there's the, the great betrayal at the end. That, is that a Sunday? That's a Saturday. That's going to be a Saturday. It's a Saturday night. You said Sunday. Sorry, I meant Saturday. Yeah, Sunday's your boy. Because basically he'll, he'll come in, you know, he'll arrange to get off a little bit early on Friday, come in Friday, stay the night Friday night, we'll game on Saturday, and then he'll stay the night Saturday night and go home Sunday. Okay, go ahead and start up a, a Facebook group, okay. and we'll start mashing ideas and seeing what, what okay. genre. And... So for the nonce, I'll do you, me, Shane, and AJ. I'll include James because he's only in every third week or so. That way, too, you can keep up with the story. Yeah. Because, hey, you can always listen to the podcast and hear what the story was. Because that's one thing I got about podcasting. It's nice that you can, I forgot what we did last month, mm -hmm. listen to the night before. Like, I, even on this one, I pulled up the Twitch from the week before. It's like, what did we end exactly on so that way I can go right to the cliffhanger ending? And then, and we start there. Ape Man comes dancing alive. <laughs> <laughs>